Happy Friday to all our listeners out there on this Friday afternoon. I'm Gretchen Dobrovich filling in for uh, Tyler Axness on Afternoons Live. Can't talk. Uh, Afternoons Live on the Mighty 790, 104.7 KFGO. And while it's warm enough that it's raining outside here, we're starting to talk about getting prepared for the cold that's coming. And uh, particularly emergency situations when you find yourself uh, with a high heating bill, might be getting your heating bill cut off. Uh, there's there's a, a persistent myth out there that your heat and electricity and other utilities can't be cut off during the winter. And that's not actually the case everywhere. Earlier this afternoon, we had uh, Senator Rob Kupak come on and talk with us about uh, Minnesota's cold weather ruling in which uh, you, in Minnesota, if you are a resident of Minnesota, your heating and cooling, or excuse me, your heating and other utilities uh, won't be turned off. You do still have to pay them, uh, enter into a payment program with your provider, um, but they will not be turned off. But on the other side of the river here in North Dakota, um, that is not the case. There is no legal protection um, for citizens to in relation to their heat and their electricity during the winter. And uh, this afternoon, um, we've also had uh, the LIHEAP program, the low-income energy assistance program from uh, North Dakota to uh, give us information about accessing assistance. We had West Central Community Action come or uh, call in and visit with us about getting that assistance um, if you're a resident on the Minnesota side. And during the breaks, uh, one of the really heartbreaking news stories of the day is that across the country, homelessness is up 12% in the United States. And um, if we're, if, if we're seeing it across the country, we're seeing it in our community. And um, the news, the indicators uh, for it are that uh, rents have significantly increased and that it's the end of the pandemic eviction protections. And so, again, if we're seeing it across the country, we're seeing it in our own community. And so I really want to thank Jane, uh, Jan Eliason from Cass County Public Health Harm Reduction for joining us this afternoon uh, to talk about um, homelessness in our community, talk about uh, why it happens, what services are available. So thank you, Jan, for joining me this afternoon. Thank you for the invite. So uh, when uh, people think hear the harm reduction programs or they, they hear homelessness, uh, many people have this stereotype in their mind of who's homeless and who becomes homeless. It's a person who's maybe jobless, they're struggling with addiction. Uh, you don't have to be jobless. Employed people become homeless. Uh, families become homeless. Um, can you tell us, uh, uh, give us a picture of of homelessness in our community? Yeah, you know, it's uh, we, we work really hard to try to understand who all is homeless in our community. And when I talk about our community, of course, I'm talking Fargo-Moorhead and surrounding area. So, you know, we, we estimate there's probably about 1,200 people in the community that do not have their own place to live. Now, certainly not all of those folks are in shelters, of course, because we know that uh, there are not enough shelter beds to to accommodate that many people. But some people are doubled up, they're precariously housed, they're in really vulnerable situations, and some of those folks are literally existing outside. Uh, all of the shelters have been very full, um, even in summer months. What we saw this year were, were 
winter numbers during the summer months in, in the shelter system, and that's a, a great concern for, for all of us. Uh, so as we've been, been talking about uh, electricity and, and heating this afternoon, you know, one of the things we've talked about is, is that anybody is one illness, one emergency, one, you know, something unexpected happening in their home. Are we seeing an increase in families, uh, working families who are facing homelessness or uh, looking at or, or, or facing um, utility shutoffs in our community? And, and do we have things in place for, for people in that situation? Uh, yeah, I think that we do. You know, it was actually the last conversation I had at work before I came here today was about a person who, who thought they were going to have their utilities shut off. So it certainly does happen. I think it can happen to anyone. Uh, you know, we talk a lot about that in the community that, um, you know, that everybody's a paycheck away or whatever, but that reality doesn't necessarily feel real for every single person in the community. I think that everybody knows somebody that has really struggled. Everybody knows somebody that's... Um, that's become more precariously housed or has had to rely on relatives. And, you know, it all kind of depends on your definition of homelessness, right? Right. But, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, um, we have definitely seen more families present at, at the shelter and the programs I'm responsible for, which typically we only serve adults at, at those programs. But we have had uh, parents and children showing up this year uh, much earlier and much more often than I have seen in previous years. So I think that's a telltale sign right there. What are the programs that follow fall under your direction, Jan? Yeah, so uh, it started with the Gladys Ray Shelter, of course, uh, 16 years ago. And we also have a withdrawal management program, street outreach, the mobile outreach program, which is very popular, I think, everywhere and saves the community a ton of money. Um, the downtown community, the downtown engagement center. Um, we have the harm reduction center that is also located downtown and overdose prevention, all all sorts of things that that we all really believe in, and I have a lot of amazing staff that show up and carry out that that belief every day. Absolutely. Uh, so, the engagement center downtown. What what types of services are provided at the engagement center, and who do they serve? So, um, who, who can utilize those services? Right. So the engagement center, the reason we opened it is because we knew that there are a number of challenges for people when they, you know, I tell people often that, that homelessness can be a full-time job, correct? So it's, uh, you know, to try to get from one place to another and to another and to another and also try to make it to the places where you can get a meal, it can be very time-consuming. Um, we thought if we could start something that could put us all in one spot and, and try to make sure that people could meet their immediate needs there, showers, laundry, that sort of thing, but also connect with with many of the providers around town that are that are really great at what they do and understand the population that we're serving very well. So that's essentially what what we started with the aim to do, and it was much busier right away than I ever expected it to be, um, in such an alarming way. Uh, and it continues to get busier all the time. The majority of the people that we serve are, in fact, uh, people who don't have a place to live right now. But some are most recently housed, and we work a lot on prevention as well. Right. Uh, this is Gretchen Dovervich filling in for Tyler Axness on Afternoons Live on the Mighty 790, 104.7 KFGO. We're visiting with Jan Eliason uh, from Cass County Public Health Harm Reduction Services, and we are going to go to a short break. 
Good afternoon and welcome back to Afternoons Live with Tyler Axis. I'm Gretchen Dobervich filling in for Tyler on the Mighty 790, 104.7 KFGO. This afternoon we're talking about preparing for emergencies related to keeping warm during the winter. You can join in on the conversation by calling the KFGO studio line at 701 701- Two three seven five nine four eight. Sponsored by Laney's. You can also text us by texting three five two seven zero at the KFGO Text Club. Sponsored by Adventure RV. And thank you to Gunderson's Jewelry for sponsoring the studio this afternoon. I'm joined by Jan Elison, who is the Harm Reduction Director for Cass County uh, Public Health. So serving our 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 county here, our city of Fargo as well. And we're talking um, about programs for homelessness uh, and for preventing homelessness and uh, staying with our theme of staying warm. Before the break, um, Jan had mentioned the Winter Warming Center. And can you tell us a little bit about the Winter Warming Center, what it is, how it works, and who it's for? Sure. The Winter Warming Center was a, a response by the city of Fargo and leadership uh, there when we had talked a little bit about the number of people we were seeing that were in shelter in the community, and we had very grave concerns about safety. Last winter, we saw a number of cases of, of um, frostbite, and you know, emergency rooms were also reporting the same thing. So we had serious concerns about our ability to meet the need once the cold weather set in. So the city of Fargo made a decision to uh, open a winter warming center. It's it's not a shelter. It's an overflow space where, you know, we call it airport-style seating. It doesn't have beds or anything like that, but it has a place where people can go to be um, out of the elements and, and a little bit safer. Uh, that is located in the engagement center at night after the, the engagement center closes. And then the harm reduction staff are currently staffing that program. We, we, we plan to serve about 40, but of course that we've exceeded that number uh, a number of nights already. So need is is definitely greater than what we have available right now. Certainly throughout the entire community, the need exceeds what we have available. And, it, you know, we're really at, it's a pressure point, right, is we're really at a point where the community has to, you know, we have to create a conversation that, that can lead to a plan because I don't think that we have a lot of, a lot of time left before some really uh, tragic things start to happen. And, you know, we have, to, we have, we have some decisions to make. Uh, one of the other programs that I wanted to ask you about is the Gladys Ray Shelter. I remember uh, several years ago, uh, tragically, tragically during the winter, we uh, lost a few members of our community who were um, sleeping rough and out in the cold, and um, the shelter opened, um, Low Barrier Shelter. And can you just quickly tell us about a little bit about the Gladys Ray Shelter? Right, yeah. So we opened the Gladys Ray in March of 2008, and, uh, you know, that's certainly where my heart is. I absolutely love the Gladys Ray and the work we've been able to do there in the community. The Gladys Ray opened, um, you know, under a harm reduction model, low barrier model, to make sure that we could serve people who didn't have a lot of alternatives in the in the uh, community. We don't require abstinence and so on. Um, we just require safety, and that's uh, 25 to 35 people a night is, is ideal. Uh, and again, most of those folks are folks who either lost the option to go anywhere else or or um, just don't see success in that system. 
All right. Uh, thank you, Jan. Again, Gretchen Dobervich filling in for Tyler Axis this afternoon on Afternoons Live. We're going to go to a little break and visit with Jan some more. Happy Friday and welcome back to Afternoons Live with Tyler Axis. I'm Gretchen Dobervich filling in for Tyler on the Mighty 790, 104.7 KFGO. This afternoon we're talking about preparing for emergencies uh, in the cold weather because we know it's coming despite the balmy weather creating rain this afternoon. You can join our conversation on the studio line 701-237-5948, sponsored by Laney's. You can also text us at the KFGO Text Club, 35270, sponsored by Adventure RV. And thank you to Gunderson's Jewelers for sponsoring the KFGO studio this afternoon. So I've been visiting with Jan Eliason, who is the harm reduction coordinator for Cass County Public Health. And we've been talking about some of the services that are available for folks who find themselves in, in an emergency situation, um, whether they, they're homeless, they're on the verge of becoming homelessness, uh, what services are, are there for people to get warm, what services are there for people to get connected with services. And one of the questions that I, I've been really wanting to ask you, Jan, is oftentimes we hear about all of the bad things that are happening and things are getting worse. And, you know, certainly in the news today, uh, one of the the news stories is the 12% increase in homelessness across the U.S. But Fargo-Moorhead is doing a lot of things right um, in terms of how we serve our our relatives, our our neighbors, our community members who are really struggling, and I'd love to hear from you in the, in the time that you've been in this in this position because you've really you know kind of been there for the beginning of this explosion of of how do we serve our community um, with these issues? What are some of the big successes that you've seen in how we serve people in our community in crisis and in need? Certainly the way that uh, agencies within the system and the continuum of care, how we, you know, we have relationships with each other and we can call each other. We can talk about everything that's going on. I think that we're a much more cohesive system, at least compared to when I first started in this. Um, you know, I think that every, we don't have to convince anybody else now that there's a new way of doing things or a different way of doing things. Everybody's really bought into um, you know, we can do better, and, and every day we have to get up, go to work, and do the best we can to serve people, and that there are plenty of solutions out there. So I would say, you know, just the the relationships among providers, it's not near as fragmented. It's still fragmented to some degree. Um, there's a number of reasons for that, um, but I think that we're headed for really good things. I think that, you know, once we, once we figure out that plan, community-wide plan that everybody understands and agrees uh, agrees with, we can start, you know, reducing some of that fragmentation as well. But we have a great system. This community can feel really good about the response that we're doing, but we need more. Uh, which which leads me to my next question is, is people want to help. People yes. want to be helpful, and they oftentimes don't know, how do I help? How, how can I be part of this movement to be a good relative, to be a good community member? Um, so... For people out there who are interested in in helping and supporting these services, how do how, how do they help? How how can we help be part of this movement? Yeah, so one of the ways that you can help is you know call your favorite uh, organization, call the folks that you want to support, and ask them what they they are in most need of. Uh, sometimes it's easy to assume that people need you know clothes or, or hygiene or, or whatever the, the case may be, but 
you know, sometimes there's really unique needs that you wouldn't have thought of. And, and so just calling and asking, that can be really, really helpful. Also, just conversations in your personal and professional life and, and in those circles and just helping generate more conversation around the issue of homelessness and what the, the facts are, what the solutions are, because there are, in fact, solutions. This is a solvable issue in our community, and we have no reason to keep to keep going down the road that we've been going. Yeah, absolutely. Also, uh, social media. Uh, one of the things that, that I always look for is when the Engagement Center or Glassray Shelter uh, has needs, they'll put them out there on social media. So for folks listening that are using social media, uh, that's just one more way to find yeah. out what they need. And I, I remember the first time I saw nail clippers on there and I thought, well, nail clippers, that's, I, I guess just hadn't dawned on me. If you don't have them, you don't have them. And there's something that you need. Yes. Um, so uh, social media, they can call. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Use social media, call. Um, I, most places really try to keep their lists up to date. I know that, uh, you know, the Gladys Ray is happy to take all sorts of things off your hands and provide you, anybody with a list if they want to give us a call. Same with, same with the Engagement Center. Um, there's people can drop donations off there throughout every day, seven days a week, up until 5 o'clock. Okay, up until 5 o'clock, seven days a week. Folks can drop things off. They can call. Um, uh, warming Shelter. Can you give us the address of the Warming Shelter and the hours again for that? The Winter Warming the Center. The Winter Warming Center, yeah. Yeah, that's located in um, the Engagement Center, which is on the corner of 4th Street and 3rd Avenue. It's 222 4th Street <laughs> North. Uh, it's the old police department building down across from the Civic Center. Um, and the hours are 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. However, we do have a transition time between 5 and 8, 5 p.m. and 8 p.m. where we're trying to do some diversion and see what we can help people with in terms of finding an, an alternative to the Warming Center. All right. Thank you so much, Jan, for joining us this afternoon. And thank you so much to you and your staff for all that they do to keep um, members of our community not just warm but safe um, and connecting them with the services they need to get themselves well, get themselves back on their feet. So thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, I appreciate it. This is Gretchen Jobervich filling in for Tyler Axness on Afternoons Live. We're going to be going to a break, and when we return, we're going to visit with Josh Kramer, who's the general manager and vice executive uh, president of the North Dakota Rural Electric Cooperatives.